Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special News Desk edition of the World of CONCACAF podcast. I'm Eric Schmitz. I'm Jonathan Sleep. And I'm Donald Wine. And this special episode is just postcards to the pod. We asked you to send us questions, and we're going to answer them and or talk about them, discuss them. Um, got some great, great feedback on this. Um, but yeah, we just love talking CONCACAF, so that's what we're going to do. Jonathan? Is there anything you like more in life than just talking about CONCACAF? Um, being in Caribbean islands talking about CONCACAF? Okay, fair point. I like I like that answer. That's that's my yeah. answer. Yes. Okay. So there are things we like better. But we do like this. So we, we should uh, note we should note that we are not on a Caribbean island answering these questions. We are at, we are in our homes. But not maybe next time. time you know, yes. thinking. who's thinking? Yes, but uh, with Pilsner in hand, at least for me, um, we're here to talk about, you know, CONCACAF nonsense, because that's what we do. Um, all right. So thanks again to all of our fans, followers who sent us questions, uh, especially thank you to our patrons. You can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash podcacaf, P-O-D-E-C-A-C-A-F. Uh, really appreciate everybody's support there and for everyone that participates when we ask them to send us questions. So you guys are the best. And let's get started. First off, let's go to esteemed MLS writer, uh, friend of the podcast, Ben Wright. Um, also, you know, a member of Slaves Intrepid, uh, Intrepid uh, Tuesday Night Soccer Squad. Um, <laughs> ben asks us, uh, what are your underdog picks for CONCACAF Champions Cup? Can any non-Liga MX or MLS clubs make a deep run? Uh, who wants to Who wants to answer first? Donald, let's go to you. So I have a couple of underdog picks, and I have a Cinderella pick. I'm going to start with the underdog picks. The underdog picks, the first one I have is Cavalry FC. And the reason why I say that is because they play Orlando City, and the winner of that game plays a winner of that matchup plays uh T grace and the white caps. They mm-hmm. kind of have like a, a fairly easy road. If they can get, pa- I mean, all these teams are strong, but they don't have to run into a lot of, of Liga MX teams on their way to a final. So they have the opportunity to do something if they're going to do it. There's also Alapalense. The reason why I say Alapalense is uh, I've been there, their home field advantage when that, when that barn is full is one of the best, if not the best in the entire CONCACAF region. And they will only have to face one of America or Guadalajara. Uh, uh, yeah. Or Guadalajara yeah. if they advance. And again, they have to come to that 10 box. Uh, may, they may have to go to Chivas or to, uh, to Azteca, but they're used to that sort of environment. And I think they could do well in it. Yeah. And the thing about Ella Huense is like, they have they were the Central American Cup winners, so they got the bye. So if they're going to go on, a, like they have less steps to take to go on that run. So I think they're in a good spot there. Um, did you have anyone else? Yeah. So here is my Cinderella pick. Okay. Ready for this? Uh huh. Robin Hood. Oh, okay. So Robin Hood, they're you know of course they won the uh, Caribbean Champions Cup thing or whatever the uh, Concacaf League. And as a result, they got a buy into the round of 16. Now, that means that they await the winner of Toluca and Herediano. If they win that, whoever wins there, 
they then would play the winner of Philadelphia and Saprissa. All of these are winnable games. No, they wouldn't play the winner. Of, they wouldn't play the winner of Philadelphia and Saprissa because Pachuca plays the winner of oh, Philly and, uh, and Saprissa. Yeah. Yes, I was going to say Pachuca's there, and Pachuca's really the only uh, League MX team that they could see before the semifinal, mm-hmm. and they could beat them. Pachuca's not that good. They qualify. Yeah, sure, they qualify, but they're not that good. They're not world beaters. So I'm looking at Robin Hood. If there's going to be a Cinderella story, it's going to be Robin Hood. Yeah. If I can make a quick sidebar before I give my one team, because I only have one team. Uh, (laughs) I had a youth soccer coach. Uh, This is travel, maybe like when I was 16 or 17 years old. We, We weren't necessarily good, but you said these guys aren't that good. Every halftime speech, one of the first or second things he said is like, these guys aren't that fucking good. That's every halftime speech. And every time I hear someone say, these guys aren't that good, that's all I can think about. It sounds but, like the pep talk I give to the 14 beers and chilies. Yes. Or actually, yes. the pep talk I halftime. gave last night. <laughs> every halftime. Coach Slate, I need to see uh, it. <laughs> but you you did, uh, you talk about Robin Hood. See, I on the opposite side of that, I think Robin Hood provides an opportunity for another team to make a Cinderella run. And I was looking at Herediano. Because they've got Toluca in round one. Toluca's okay, but it's not like, you know, I don't think it, they're like Tigris level good, you know? I mean, we saw, I mean, I got to see Toluca in person this summer when you mm-hmm. and I both did in yes. uh, League's Cup. They're not, I, I wasn't that impressed. They're a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, their goalkeeper takes the penalties. Um, yes. Like, so well, I, their, defense is, their defense is, uh, what's the word? Porous. Yes, course, not yes. great. Um, no, I uh, I was going to echo the uh, Alahuense, um and uh, I do think Saprisa could make a run because I mean Saprisa is going to play Philadelphia. Um, that we know that it's not the old Saprisa, but that stadium is still rocking every time they play there. But like you said, Pajuca is not that great. Philadelphia is in a bit of a flux right now. Uh, I just don't think they're going to be as ready. I mean, we always see this with a lot of the uh, MLS clubs. It's gotten better that where they're they're a little bit closer to the start of the season, but the but the League of X teams are going to, and even you know some of the South the Central American teams have been playing a little bit longer and going to be in a bit more form uh, heading yeah. into this. I think Saprissa yeah. uh, is another one. I, I reject your idea that Calvary could do well because, uh, you know, Canada. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, like the Canadian Premier League isn't necessarily elite leveled, you know. I'm just, it's not even the it's not even the the league. It's it's the it's the Canada aspect. Yeah, but it also, I mean, it also for... bothers me that Cavalry is the name and they play in Calgary. Like, just call them Calgary FC. I like that they have a date, a name that's not City FC or City SC. No offense to 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 you two down in Nashville, um, but it's cool they have a little little flair every now and then. Even though when you Music think City Calgary, Athletic you was think, you be don't way think better, of Calgary. Right? <laughs> yes, um, but I will say on the on the CPL's behalf, right? Like they have been clamoring for this for years since they started the league. They were like, we want a chance to go into the Champions Cup. We we could beat these teams. We could do this. We could do this. Yeah. Prove hey, it. Now's the time. Yeah, now's the time. Yeah. Step up to the plate. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So thanks, Ben, for the question. I think we did talk about a bunch of teams that have a chance to like win a couple games, go on a little bit of a run. But as far as deep run, I think that 
at his question, can any non-Liga MX or MLS club make a deep run? I think the overall the answer is no. If you think deep run is like semifinal or final, I think the way it's set up is for Liga MX and MLS to be like set up for success, which sucks, but I don't know. It is what it is. It's CONCACAF. We will change this format four years from now. So four, we can change it next year. Next year, <laughs> yeah. I, I was being, you know, hopeful. But anyways, thank you, Ben, for the question. We appreciate your work. Make sure you follow Ben at Ben Wright. Uh, he's awesome. Next up, we've got our friends at the ninety fourth minute at the ninety fourth minute on uh, Twitter, and they ask, should they bring back the Caribbean Cup? Considering the current vibes about AFCON and the Asian Cup going on, would a Caribbean Cup, maybe held in the U.S., also attract great attention, especially on the sides that are sometimes overlooked in CONCACAF? Um, just before we uh, kick it to Slate for uh, his response there, uh, just some background on the Caribbean Cup. The Caribbean Cup existed for almost, what was it, 20, it was 30 years. Uh, the last edition was in 2017 when it was discontinued. They held it 19 times, and it was seven different names in those 19 times they held the tournament between sponsorships and just changing it up and Jack Warner. Uh, various Jack reasons. Warner sucks. Yes. Uh, there were also various formats. There were times when they would have it within one FIFA international window playing games every other day. There were times they would do it over multiple windows. There were times they would do it in the summer. They really just made it up as they went along, as is CONCACAF. But, Slate, should they bring back the Caribbean Cup? Yes, um, but I'm going to push back on one aspect of that question. In Uh no way should the Caribbean Cup ever take place in the United States of America. Uh CONCACAF needs to quit scheduling tournaments in the United States of America. The Caribbean Cup should always be in the Caribbean. key, Key question. If they held it in the U.S. Virgin Islands, does that count? It's not the continental United States. It is not a state. It Puerto is Rico an would count too. territory. Okay. And it's their, they are their Clarification, own... you know, we're oh, detail-oriented here. They're their own federation. Okay, okay. I, I think that's fair. Donald, what do you think about Caribbean Cup? It it, it absolutely should happen. Um, It, you know... Besides the vibes part, besides mm-hmm. the fact that the Caribbean Football Union is the best sub confederation in the world, yes, those are those are facts. They they don't need to be disputed or debated. I think the one thing is that we've always talked about all of these countries needing games, or most of these countries, right? Save for the you know Jamaica, maybe Trinidad and Tobago. Most of these countries need these games to help improve their federation, to help improve their national team to help get people matches, get them reps, so to speak. This is important to them to have this because not only would it provide the vibes, it'll give them something to continually be pushing for. When you think about it, World Cup qualifying is starting in in March with the bottom four teams in FIFA. And then those teams probably won't play again until Nations League. The only reason that they're playing is we have Nations League every six months. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of been... CONCACAF's way of keeping these teams involved. Another way to do that is to make CONCACAF Nations League maybe every two years, give it a little bit more, you know, give it the flair that it deserves by, you know, you know, let us hold the trophy for more than six months before we have to play for it again. 
mm-hmm. even though I love that 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 thing to death. But the Caribbean Cup would be amazing to help uplift those teams and also again give them the spotlight because the vibes would be like stupid. It'd be yeah. stupid awesome. Well, for me, part of in looking back at some of the things about why they discontinued it, Nations League is why they stop doing it is because Mm -hmm. they were like we need to give them competition that's consistent this tournament isn't quite it we want to open it up so they're playing other competition where it's just not islands playing islands it's islands playing central america and north america and north american teams getting to go to set islands and us drinking rum drinks on the beach like there were positive things that came from the end of the caribbean cup but so, I do think there's probably room in the calendar. And I think as we go, like this World Cup qualifying cycle is different than it's going to be for the for every other one because there's hosts involved. Like it's our, we're hosting the damn thing. So once we get into the next cycle with, you know, a new qualifying format and maybe some windows where you can fit in a Caribbean only tournament to get them even more games outside of qualifying in Nations League, I think there's some potential there, but as with everything in global soccer, it's pretty fluid. So just a couple for those that fun facts about the Caribbean Cup. Um, Mm -hmm. In 1990, uh, on the day of the final, they had to abandon the tournament uh, because of an insurrection in Trinidad. Mm -hmm. Um, And the tournament was actually started by Shell, like Shell Oil. Shell oil, yeah. Were the ones that uh, started it for the first time. So it, just to push back on the calendar portion of things, we're sitting here in January and two confederations are having their confederational tournaments right now, right? Africa Cup of Nations and Asian Cup. Asia has like the Asian games like every couple of years in like November and December. Yeah, it's going to pull players away from their clubs, but especially here in this side of the world, a lot of the, a lot of the teams play, you know, spring to summer, you know, spring, summer schedules, they spring, you know, February, March to November or so. So you can have something in maybe December or January where one, it'll keep those guys fresh who are in those leagues. Also, you're going to be able to capitalize on there being a lack of soccer in that time of time of year, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of European leagues are on their winter breaks MLS is on their winter break league and Mex has a winter break uh, between the aperture and Glossera. So you have a portion of the window where it would be good to have like a two, three week tournament to have these teams, you know, kind of go at it. And again, be one where they can have kind of their own run of the litter uh, when it comes to TV scheduling and things like that. CONCACAF is opening. uh, They just broke ground on a center in the Dominican Republic. Like there's no reason why they couldn't use that to their advantage. Those, those are good points. I, I think I think there. If you force your way into the calendar, you can do that. But I think, I don't know. I you wonder where Concacaf's heads at if they feel or I mean the Caribbean. If it's important know. to them, they'll do it. Yeah, so it's like if it's important to them, life, right? they'll do that. But I understand them wanting to clear space for Nations League to be the preeminent competition in you know the region because it is. All right. Um, so thank you to the, our friends in the 94th minute across the pond. Uh, next up, uh, we've got a U.S. focused question from our friend Andres. Uh, the question is about the U.S. men's national team. Is Camp Cupcake worth it? 
What is the best player to have their first cap from a cupcake invite? The question obviously referring to January camp, which is, you know, known as Camp Cupcake, as the U.S. would typically bring in a lesser opponent to play against their lesser squad. But Donald is, like, pointing at me like, wait a minute, I have something to say about this. Donald. No, so so first of all, I, I think that's where the January, the Camp, camp Cupcake became January camp is because okay. of that description, which is not accurate. The reason why it is called Camp Cupcake is because when it first began back in the early t- you know 2000s, when Bob they Bradley, they had cupcakes. Bob, Bob Bradley's wife would cook, bake cupcakes and send them to the players, and that was their way of knowing that they were called into this camp. Later on, Bruce Arena reflected that the cupcake was the uh, was the opponent, but um... never has it been used to describe the players on our team and and. I think the reason why this question exists is because in the in, in the players, they really want this because they see it as an opportunity for them to break on the team. There's been 30 guys that have whose first or second cap was a January camp game. 30 of those guys have gone on to make World Cup rosters, and that's just not counting the the mere, you know, the numerous others that played regularly in a national team that didn't make a World Cup roster. So to answer Andres' question, here are some of the guys that have made a World Cup roster uh, that also well, ju- ju- first just second to, cap. Just to Go clarify, ahead. just to clarify, so we're talking people who've made their first cap in January camp, in a January friendly, or is this just recent history, the actual cupcake era? No, since so since 1999, 30 players okay. whose first or second cap came at a January camp match, went on to get on a World Cup roster. Here are some of those guys. And these guys that I list right here, these guys, I believe all of them, their very first game was a January camp game. Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan, Josie Altador, DeMarcus Beasley, Carlos Bocanegra, Jimmy Conrad. I just listed you know, four, six of the greatest players that ever play in the United States men's national team program. Also, you have guys, there was nine guys on the most recent World Cup roster who also debuted in the January camp, including Tyler Adams, including Matt Turner. So this is very important to the guys. And some of those players have come out and said how important it was for them to be a part of this because it gave them a chance to show what they could what, what they could do and not have to worry about breaking through into the national team via, you know, luck or or injury or something like that. They got a chance to be right in front of the coaches. Jimmy Conrad has, you know, we we all know him personally. He's mm-hmm. spoken to us personally about how how much how much he valued that time and how important it was for him to break into the program. So I always and I, here's the final thing. I think about this game. So go back more recently, 2021. There was like two or three guys, including Daryl DK, who got work visas in Europe to go play in Europe based on their appearance in the January camp game, which was the day before the transfer the January transfer window closed. So I, I'm I'm sticking with that. This is important for these guys as a great chance to to do that. But I think for the fans, I think US soccer needs to market it correctly. They need to go, hey, this is what we're trying to do with this camp. Here's the purpose. Here are the goals. And I know they can't break through to all of anonymous Twitter who thinks, you know, they see this roster and they go, why isn't Clint, you know, uh Christian Pulisic not in this roster? This is stupid. This this roster is dumb. Tell them why. Christian Pulisic's not in this roster. Tell them why you're including Esmir, you know, 
by Karavik, right? Like include that reason so that people understand what the purpose of this camp is. Yeah, I had totally forgotten about all of the because like when we like when this conversation when this came up and I just was like back of the napkin, like looking at stuff. I'd completely forgotten about like Dempsey Donovan, um, mm-hmm. like but like well, recently. I, well, I want to push back here because Donovan's first cap was in October, a friendly against Mexico. I said first or second cap. That's the that's the list. First cap. Yeah. So that that's yeah. So yeah. So it's, it. second, it's the question was first cap. So like. I have a hard time considering just all guys who have come in through the camp. I think it's guys who never got a look until who, until these games, like they weren't even in the conversation until they got the chance to play and put a Jersey on. So I think DeMarcus is probably the answer, Mm -hmm. but I think we're talking more about, you know, the depth guys or your Walker Zimmerman's like Zimmerman, Zimmerman made his was one. Um, Look, Matt, Matt Turner's Turner, first game was yeah. a January camp. It was that yeah. I believe Matt it was Turner that twenty twenty one on my list. He literally he literally used that game mm-hmm. to jump into the starting lineup. Yeah, like straight. Up, I think just on that that is that is the value of the camp. It's guys like Matt Turner who force their way into the conversation. I think just giving it as an experience early on in your career. I don't know if that's as much as actually getting on the field, getting your name up there. Um, your Matt Turner, your Walker Zimmerman, uh, some of the other recent World Cup guys like Ali Bedoya had his first cap in January camp. Uh, Matt Beasler had his in 2013. Kellen Acosta in 2016. Um, and also, shout out Freddie Adu. He had his first in January camp. So, you know, legends. Legends of the mm-hmm. game getting their finally getting their first cap. I think, yeah, you, you you almost need to differentiate that it's not it's got to be your first cap. You, your first one has to be some friendly in you know Chattanooga. Yeah, <laughs> I was saying, that, that was Walker Zimmerman. Was that know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All of a sudden, but like point, a point taken, but the fact remains is that there are still so many of those you know legends that that we just mentioned. Yeah. Where that's true. I think the one thing that U.S. soccer does wrong is they consistently hold this thing in the United States. I yes. think they should. There was one point, and I don't know. Windward was, Islands. Let's go. I don't go. know if this was public knowledge, but I do remember back in 2017. So it would be January 2017. They had been talking about going abroad for both games. Jurgen Klinsmann was going to take the team, I think, to like, or I'm sorry, one was going to be in like Hawaii and the other was going to be like Asia. Wasn't was there was a talk about Thailand at some point? Yes, that's the one window. Okay, it was the same window, and he was going to do that. He got fired in November after that Costa Rica game. Bruce Mm -hmm. Arena took over. Bruce Arena said, "I'm bringing this thing to LA." I do remember they had that one uh, match where they went to Chile and then came back and played in the United States. But they need to do that. Test their guys and, and take these guys. On a trip, you don't have to go to. I mean, Asia would be cool. Like, of course, mm-hmm. for the fans, it'd be cool. But they like it. It also increases the importance of that moment for them. Instead of saying, "Hey, you're, we're just going to play in LA again because that's where yeah. it's you know it's warm, or we're going to play you know these these places that get all the games, they're just going to play there again." Take them to somewhere, challenge them, and tell them, "Hey, this is a business trip. We're going in here. We want you to be ready. This is an opportunity for you." And let them zero in on that moment. 
You want to know why I remember that Chile away game? It's because they wore red socks. Mm-hmm. It was like white, white, red, and it looked cool. Just, yep. You know, never, never did that before. Breck Shea played in that game too. I also remember Breck uh, <laughs> <laughs> streaking down the wing in red socks. Um, yeah. So I think in the end, the answer to this question is Demarcus Beasley. Like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, first cap. He he's he's, he's one of the greatest players that ever lived. He's one of my favorite yeah. players that ever lived. Yes. Like, yeah, like let's do that. Yes. Legend of the game. All right. So thank you, Andres, for the question. Um, we love you. Uh all right. And our last question we've got is from Antonio at UC underscore Raider on Twitter. His question is when is CONCACAF going to create the most chaotic soccer tournament ever and invite CAF teams to the Gold Cup? Or would it be more chaotic from CAF to invite CONCACAF teams to AFCON? This uh, is something near and dear to Donald and I's heart. Yes. Eric hates uh-huh. this. Well, um, yes and, yeah, no, yes Eric... and no. The, the thing I want to clarify is that before you guys answer and talk about how much you would love this and that the chaos would be off the charts, is that rumors are that this might actually happen. Uh, there were reports um, that spread early in 2023. Uh, I was able to find an article from Marca saying that the 2025 Gold Cup would feature invited teams from UEFA, CONMOBIL, CAF, and AFC as a part of a 2014 tournament to help prepare for the 2026 World Cup. So theoretically, the conversations are out there, but I'm deferring to you two. To what extent do we need to get the African nations involved in our nonsense? So the thing with the rumored one, because I was actually expanding to 32. They were going to expand to 32 teams for that. The report, the report I've got is 24 countries. I heard 24. 24. Yeah. So the other thing, too, is like two, two uh, teams from Africa – isn't really going to really ramp up the uh isn't going to really give us the full nonsense of of both a gold cup and an african cup of nations what is really what is the great things is the uh is the nations that maybe don't make a tournament all the time because like you they do have to qualify for african cup of nations it's it's actually a pretty long artist process and so you get some of these teams um that you know, had first opportunity to play in a tournament like this. And then we get some, some wildness. And even from the referees, I think it was a CONCACAF referee, the last iteration, he got the, um, he ended the game. He ended the half early on tw- ended the twice. game twice, <laughs> yeah, five twice. minutes, <laughs> eight minutes early. And then three minutes early. And then three minutes early. Um, so I'm, I'm all, uh, in support of this. I think from a timing perspective, cause I would really want to make sure that like, all of the teams had all of their people is if they did it in the summer, bring it over here. Um, I mean, I would love for, to see, uh, you know, the U S go over and play in Africa, play in Dakar, play, like play all over. Like that would be incredible. But I think the only realistic way we see this happen is if we get um, this happening in the U S. Yeah. I think the gold cup could be that potential. But. Yeah. Yeah. So here's there's two there's two answers to this question. The first one, the very simple answer is I think more CONCACAF teams should be playing against Africa teams in Africa and and not just like the South Africa's and the Egypt's and the Morocco's. Go to you know again, like you said, go to Senegal, go in deep, go to Kenya, go to Mozambique, go to Zambia, those type of places, right? Go to Nigeria. 
go to Nigeria, Ivory Coast, Togo, um, Liberia. Yeah, do do those. I mean, second, secondly, look, Africa has island qualifiers too. We should be kindred spirits with this with this group. We got we got qualifiers, island qualifiers. They do too. This should be a no brainer. But listen, we put it on Madagascar. Mm-hmm. Mauritius, we can do that too. Yeah. We put it on Madagascar. The lemur is T-shells. the mascot for the turn for the tournament. <laughs> we could make we could make this happen. Sal Prince, Sal Tome, Principe, we could do that. But here's the deal. I think I would say it's it's not a. It, I think it's a great idea to have African teams in the Gold Cup if we're going to be inviting teams. But again, I, I think not every team has to be from Europe and South America. I think the the current version of the gold cup as has been rumored is going to be a fifa eyes version of it right so we're going to see maybe morocco and maybe nigeria like teams that we have seen before teams that we have played recently again if they're going to do this i want them to in you know maybe have a little mini tournament for those teams that jonathan was talking about those teams that just miss out on uh africa cup of nations which i think is 24 teams miss out on that and then you know they go hey you can still come to the gold cup and you pick from that group of teams and not necessarily that, you know, bring in Egypt all the time because they have Salah, bring in Morocco because they just made the World Cup semifinals, bring in Nigeria and South South Africa because those are, the, you know, the only ones that people can find on a, on a map. Like we need to be learning about these teams. And I think, honestly, the style of play, the chaos, the vibes are all very similar. And I think that would make for some entertaining games. Give me Equatorial Guinea where they f- fire their coach in the middle of the tournament. No, Ivory Coast. I was just, Ivory Coast. They're hosting. Yeah, Host. they just they're hosting, and and they they also might make make the uh, make the knockout stage anyway. So I don't know if they're gonna bring the coach back, but you know, <laughs> reminds me was, was that Guatemala uh, in the Gold Cup in twenty twenty one that yeah lost, they, they lost coach. they fired their coach, but then they got put back in because Curacao got COVID. Curacao, yeah, got COVID, and. Yeah. And they had to withdraw, and Guatemala was in. So their interim coach, first of all, had to be declared the interim, and then the very next day had to recall all the players that had scattered <laughs> all over the world because they were out of the tournament. Yeah, that's what those are the vibes that need to be brought to the United States. Yeah, it, it is the greatest game in the world. All right, thank you to all of our fans who you know sent in questions. We really enjoyed all this chatter. Uh, we're actually going to continue the chatter. Uh, we're going to do a one more round bonus episode as well. Kind of talk about all of this stuff some more. Uh, you can find that on our Patreon, patreon.com backslash podcast. Uh, exclusive subscribers, just extra content. Listen to us talk about CONCACAF and these, you know, these fun topics of yeah, tournaments and nonsense and quitting coaches and you know, islands it's wonderful um thank you to all for listening uh donald jonathan do you want to pump your uh other projects yeah you can find me at j ssp on twitter and then uh at broadbaysportsmedia.com for written written work find me at blazing dw on twitter and also at stars and stripes fc.com and USA Soccer Cast, right? And USA Soccer Cast, that's right. Yes. Um, we do have a, a couple of things coming up, so check out the feed. Yes, gotta listen to that. You listen to this, you listen to that, and then you know, you tell us how much you love it. Uh, make sure you're following us on socials at PodcaCaf, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, MySpace, uh, 
you know. Brinster, Zanga, Live Journal. Yeah, Moblog, you know. LimeWire. Lime- <laughs> Lime- I think actually LimeWire did have a social feature. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, with, you know, every song that was named wrong. All right, anyways, we're cutting it. See y'all. <laughs>